Hello everyone and welcome to our Threshold podcast. We are so happy that you have taken time to join us today and we pray that you will be absolutely encouraged by the plethora of messages and encouraging words that we share here in our church. Threshold is a family of believers based in East Riding of Yorkshire in the wonderful city of Hull and our head pastors are Pastor Deborah and Philip Banda. Be blessed. There is something that happens when you meet people that have suffered so much for Christ, and yet they seem to have more joy for Christ than you. It's amazing. When you meet people who are supposed to be sad because they have suffered so much and lost so much, displaced, uh, this lady doesn't leave home anymore like in Iran. She can't live in Iran. And if she goes to Iran, it's underground missions kind of stuff. But when you see her overflow in the joy of her salvation and in knowing Christ, your mind just goes, what is it about Jesus that I'm not seeing that other people are ready to die for? Another thing that she shared with us, with the whole group, was, was when she got arrested, she didn't need to go there because the police rang her to say, turn yourself in. But she could have run away. But she felt convicted because half of her friends, her church leaders had been arrested too. And she just felt the conviction, I'm going to go hand myself in. When she told her mother, her mother could not understand. Her mother would say, no, I will arrange for you to get out of the country uh, we've got, you know, we can get away. She says, no, I just feel like Jesus is saying I should go hand myself in. And she went and she handed herself in, not knowing what's going to happen. A very notorious prison where there's a lot of abuse and torture. And, 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 and she was in solitary confinement and how God protected her and how she survived by writing scriptures on the wall. She didn't have a Bible, but she could hear God reminder of scriptures and she started writing them on the wall and and when the interviewers asked her yesterday why were you doing that she said because I thought somebody else might end up in this cell so she's not even doing it for herself there's something about vision when you catch the vision of Jesus himself it changes your perspective in life are you with me? And, and, and that's where, where I want our thoughts to begin to go when we're talking about vision. So I thought, wow, this video would be so good to help us just focus ourselves properly. Because the danger I ran when I heard God speak to me about, you need to start talking about vision and more vision in the church. The danger I ran was I was going to quickly run to these things. And begin to tell you about the vision and what we, you know, get a vision and everybody needs a vision. Uh, and, and, and when all we're talking about is dreams, really. Until God really intervened and began to show me some stuff around the first place in vision is got to be Christ. Hello. Yeah, that's really what I want to share with you. Amen. Is God good? 
Praise God. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. More vision. More vision. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Catching more vision. If you're there, say amen. Amen. I'm reading the authorized King James Version. It says, uh, just verse 18, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy or blessed is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Praise God. Now, I want to explain that scripture by using a few other translations. I want to make about three points using different translations so that we capture it, really what the writer is saying about vision. We're going to learn the what and the why of vision as I just read the same scripture but in different translations. Are you with me? The first point I really want to drive home is the point that the absence of vision causes an individual to amount to nothing. So it says, where there is no vision, people perish. In the absence of vision, people, you can as well say, amount to what? To nothing. You with me? In the absence of vision, life becomes meaningless. And therefore, as a person, more likely you're going to amount to nothing. Last week I was watching uh, Bishop Doug Herward Mills. You know Bishop Doug? From Ghana, Lighthouse Chapel and uh, Mustard Seed, guys. And, 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 and he did a conference. He had the audacity to do a conference. It was here in England, in Colchester, I think. And, and he had the audacity to call the conference this. Are you good for nothing? And he was looking at Matthew chapter 5 when Jesus said, When salt has lost its saltiness, it is good for nothing. I'd encourage you to go on YouTube, and it's free on YouTube. You can go watch the series that he did. And he was talking about very boldly challenging young Christians. It was youth conference. Not to be good for nothing. And he was talking in context of missions. Amen. So he says, where this Bible, is, this, this scripture says, in the absence of vision, you are good for nothing. You will perish. The word for perish there is like for per- the perishing of, of toma- tomatoes, like fresh to- tomato, tomato. Yeah? Some of you haven't seen a fresh one for a long time. You're just busy opening things every day. <laughs> you know? Tomato, you, tomato, you leave it outside. And it begins, and it, and it perishes. And it becomes good for what? Nothing. Nothing. So where there is no vision, that word perish also means there's going to be rot. Or there's, there's going to be decay. That's the best word. There's going to be a decaying. So it might not happen instantly, but as decay happens, it, de- it happens slowly, slowly, slowly. Are you with me? So you can say, I'm all right. But if there's no good vision... Slowly, the life is going to diminish. The purpose is going to diminish. The, the, the impact is going to diminish. The, the, actually, life is slowly getting sucked out of a person. But 
that scripture does not just mean individuals. Notice it uses the word, where there is no vision, the people perish. The people. So it is also possible that if I don't have vision, the people would perish. Not just me. Are you with me? So the first one is me. The second one is the people really perish. So it's not just me. My lack of vision affects more than just me. Are you following me? So the story we just saw is of a woman that got saved in an Iranian family where they're not, they, were not, they were Muslims. They were just kind of like nominal Muslims. But, but, but she got saved and her family at first thought she was just joking. Uh, until she began to stop all her lifestyle changes and she really begins to go to church. And she wanted to took her mother to church and her mother dis- was overwhelmed by it but did not want to give her life to Christ because it was very dangerous. You give your life to Christ, you are ostracized by the, by the community. But she eventually gave her life to Christ. Then her brother gave her life to Christ. Because she had a vision to really take people to church, her family, people began to thrive with her vision. That's what I'm trying to say. But if I don't have a vision, the people perish, not just me. Now, for some of us that have got families and we've got children, it's even more direct. It's, I mean, we don't need an explanation. Because if I don't have a vision, I know the people that are going to perish first. The ones, my children, perhaps even my wife. <laughs> are you with me? Yeah. But there is more. How about the people that lean on me? There is more. How about just the people in the community that are watching me? The more you think about it, the more you realize that you can be a reason for people perishing in your city. Because if we can say that about an individual, we can also say that about a church. A church that has no vision will cause people to perish. The Bible puts it this way in Proverbs 10. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there shouts of joy. I'm put my head up because that scripture was somewhere here. It's there. <coughs> Proverbs 11. No, that's wrong. It's Proverbs 10. I'm sure it is. It's 11. Okay, great. So, when the righteous prosper, the people perish. I mean, when the righteous prosper, the people rejoice. The city rejoices. Amen. So we can also talk about that. When the righteous have vision, what's going to happen to the city? It's going to be rejoicing. Now, let's look for another meaning of that. But that will have to go to another translation. Uh, Let's go to the message translation. The message translation says, If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals... They are most blessed. The vision God wants us to see, in that message translation, you kind of capture that when he says, where there is no vision, the people perish, he's actually talking about a particular vision. 
Hello? Now, if you've got your Amplified, it says where there's no redemptive revelation of God. So it is not just any vision. Now, I know this scripture has been quoted and misquoted in many circles, in business circles and everywhere else. Well, there's no vision, the people perish. To some extent, it is, it is a fact. But the truth is that when this scripture is talking about where there is no vision, it is quite specific the kind of vision it is talking about. Are you with me? So your family do not only need you to see a vision, but they need you to see a particular vision. Hello? (laughs) And this particular vision, in the message it says, see what God is doing. Oh, isn't that just awesome? So it becomes very clear. It is not about just go home and write down a vision. No. It is not just go home and capture, search the internet and find the best description. You know, I know people have awesome captions of the vision and of their vision. And, and it's not that. It is that your challenge to catch a vision is to actually catch God and what he's doing. That's my challenge. Without anybody or without me seeing what God is doing, the people are going to perish. That's what it means. To see what God is doing. So you need to see what God is doing in your family. You need to see what God is doing in your church. You need to see what God is doing in your city. You need to see what God is doing if people are going to thrive. Hello? Which includes you when I say people are going to thrive, right? You and your people. For you to thrive, somebody needs to be seeing what God is doing. Hmm. Another meaning of that word vision is found when we read the Passion Translation. In the Passion Translation, so instead of doing the Greek word and what, what, what I'm just going to read different translations, okay? Uh, in the Passion Translation, it says, When there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. Mm. Doesn't that just feel great? mm, Heaven's bliss fills my life. My soul thrives. Every time I think of a soul, I think of the garden. And I think of a thriving garden with awesome flowers and there is life in it. That's what I think of. You know, so when he says the soul will flourish, I, I picture that. And you go, wow. Listen. The other key word we catch for describing vision in the Passion Translation is this. Prophetic revelation. Somebody say prophetic revelation. revelation. So you see, that vision there means, not only means see what God is doing, it means catch it, catch it prophetically what God is doing. Let me explain what that means prophetically. It means you can see what he's doing now and see what he's doing in the future. Prophetic revelation. 
So you've got to catch God what he's doing now. And you've got to catch what he's doing in the future. Where there is no seeing what God is doing today. And what he will do tomorrow. The people perish. You see how is the reading of that verse becomes so enriched. But it becomes so easy also for us to understand how we ought, therefore, to approach this. We ought to approach it in such a way that we want to know what God is doing now. But not only that, we also want to know what God is going to do. Because otherwise we will perish and the people will perish. Our entities will perish. Our businesses will perish. I want to know what God is doing today, in my church, in my city, in my house. I want to know what God is doing and what he's going to do. Because that is what will give me an opportunity to thrive in life. Somebody said, Tomorrow belongs to those who see it before it happens. Tomorrow belongs... Because most of us, sometimes the, the trick we, the enemy plays on us is that we're focused only on today. Trying to grapple with today. And, 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 and trying to master today. Living only for today. But you see, what God expects for us to have when he says vision... He expects both for us to see today what he's doing and also tomorrow what he's going to do. Amen. Eyes with long sight like Isaiah. How can a man see what's going to happen 2,000 years before it happens? Long sight. Those that heard Isaiah, I think some of them thought he was a false prophet. Because he prophesied, 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 and died. And those things never came to pass. <laughs> and many other prophets rose up. And they prophesied, prophesied, prophesied. Then they died without seeing those things come to pass. That's why the writer of Hebrews in, in Hebrews 11 says, uh, uh, These guys, they, they really anticipated the days we are living in now. Them without us are not complete. And us without them, we are not complete. They had such long sight. He talks about Abraham, how he had long sight. And he refused to settle for the material world. He settled for a city whose builder and architect is God. Are you with me? Long sight. So when the Bible is saying... Without vision, the people perish. He's talking about without understanding what God is doing now and what he's going to do. Then the people are going to perish. You want to have more vision. Don't you? Okay, I want to pause right there. I want you to just, just, just have a moment of prayer. God, I want to know what you're doing. And I want to know what you're going to do. It's available to you prophetically. God can, pro- can release that in your life. He can release that in your spirit. Uh, and, or he can show you in a dream, in a vision. 
or he can bring a prophet to come and prophesy it into your life and you can see it. So take a moment. I just wanted to pray, especially if there's an area in your life that you are not really seeing. Why is this not happening? God, I want the vision. I want to have a vision. I don't want to miss out. Let's just take a moment and just pray, pray, pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. Father, we go for more vision, more vision that we may understand today, but we may be like the sons of Issachar and we may also understand tomorrow. By your spirit, O God, we believe that we can receive more vision in our eyes. We can receive more vision in our hearts. We can receive more vision over our lives. More vision to understand what you're doing in the church, what you're doing in the city, what you're doing in our workplaces, what, we, what you are doing, oh God, in our families, in our homes, in our personal lives, what you're doing concerning our careers, what you're doing concerning our finances, what you're doing concerning our marriages, what you're doing concerning our children. Give us more vision, oh God, that we may see what you're doing now and what you're going to do tomorrow in the mighty name of Jesus because this way we believe we can thrive this way we believe we can flourish we can be like those planted by the rivers of living waters and our fruit shall not wither oh God we will bear fruit in season out of season in the mighty name of Jesus we dedicate our eyes to you give us vision Jesus be the vision we see. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Awesome. And may it be unto you according to your faith. And two people said amen. amen. Wow. Amen. amen. Now, so I want to take some time now and just talk about how vision. Okay. Uh, Matthew 26. And, and I, I want to talk about this process and, and how vision, more vision. But how? Matthew 26, 26 to 30. You'll be glad to know I have a very, very specific assignment today. I won't take even too long because I really just want to hit this nail on the head. It's about vision. You with me? I don't know what you've been struggling with, but today I want you to go home saying it's about vision. Okay? Finances have been hard. It's about vision. It's not about money. Stop worrying about that. Hello? Whatever has been hard, I, I really want you to begin to understand it's about vision. If he can make you see it, that's it. That's all God is saying. He's watching you as you're going around in circles and saying, if I, how can I get you to just see this? Because if he, if he can make you... Have you ever had a good idea and, and you see exactly what needs to happen and, and you're trying to help the person that it concerns to see and they can't see it? And it's so frustrating. And you're like, but you, you can be here. No, you can be here and they can't see it at all. That's how God feels over our lives sometimes. How can I show you more 
And you're running around trying to get the extra money, trying to get that, trying, trying to make your connections. Trying, and you're running around and God is saying, if you can only see what I'm doing, you'll be all right. More vision. It will change your life. The things that are worrying you is because you don't see more vision. That's what I find about myself. I can speak for myself. When I really start to panic over something, it's because I'm not seeing beyond that thing. All I'm seeing is trouble. And I need more vision. Jesus, give me more vision. Because when you get more vision, you can handle prison. Other people can be saying, but why are you handing yourself in? But because you've seen more vision. You've seen more. I'm reminded, I'm, I'm going to go back to Matthew 26, but I'm reminded of a story of Paul. You remember when Paul arrived in a city and the prophets there came and they said to him, you are going to be arrested when you get to Jerusalem. I mean, when you get to Rome. Is it Rome? I can't remember. You're going to be arrested. And Paul said, I will still go. Because all I know is that in every city, what awaits me is chains and he had, like, he had, and he truly got arrested. The prophets were not wrong, but he was seeing more. He got arrested and he wrote the book of Ephesians. He wrote the book of Philippians and he wrote uh, Colossians. And he, he got arrested and he wrote half the Bible. So much vision. You will go beyond the little things or the seemingly big mountains that you think are so big. Just more vision. Jesus, give me more vision. Matthew 26. I'm going to read 26 to 30. The Bible says, As they ate, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples. He said to them, This is my body. Eat it. Then, taking the cup of wine and giving praises to the Father, he entered into a covenant with them, saying, This is my blood. Each of you must drink it in fulfillment of the covenant. 28, for this is the blood that seals the new covenant. It will be poured out for many for the complete forgiveness of sins. The next time we drink this, I will be with you and we will drink it together with a new understanding in the kingdom realm of our Father. Verse 30, some manuscripts add verse 30. Then they sang a psalm and left for the Mount of Olives. Praise God. So this is Jesus before he has been arrested. The first supper. But he knows because God has shown him what he, Jesus knows what God is doing. He knows his hour has come. He knows he's about to be arrested. The atmosphere is tense, humanly speaking. He's vexed. And so as he sits down on the Last Supper, they just think they're having a Passover. But he makes it very clear to them, this is the last one you will have with me like this. He knows. It's not because he saw it on CNN that he's going to be arrested today. It's not because there's an arrest warrant on his head. And, and somebody has told him, he had a spy that has said to him, today you'll be arrested, Jesus. He knows what the Father is doing. He knows what's happening today. 
But you see, he also reveals in that discourse there that he also knows what's going to happen in the future. Because he says, I'm eating with you this today. It's the last one we're going to eat like this. The next time I'm going to eat with you, it will be in the kingdom. So he knows now and he knows tomorrow. Before he faces the cross, he has vision. And he uses that to help the people that are with him not to perish. Imagine if Jesus didn't have vision, what would have happened to the disciples? All of a sudden, he had no idea. They ambushed him, they arrested him, they crucified him, and he's gone. They would have all run away. They tried to run away. But they remembered the scriptures. They remembered what he had said. That he was going to rise. And so they came back. But imagine if Jesus didn't have vision. They would have just said, well, we're finished. Are you with me? Without vision, the people were perish. You need to understand that one. But here is the house of vision. I'm interested in how this is happening. We're going to have communion in a short while. The Bible says he took the bread. He said, this is my body. He broke it and he says, take, eat this. Number one, he says, it's my what? My body. Then he says, he gives it to each and every one of them. He shares his body. Here's principle one of vision. Vision comes from the body of Christ. Hello. It comes from Christ. Everyone becomes a partaker of Christ. When we come to Christ, we are a partaker of Christ. We are a partaker of his vision. In fact, the first vision we need is him. In the book of Revelation, chapter 1, we find the story of John. How he was on the island of Patmos. And whilst he was there, he says, On the Lord's day, I was taken in the spirit. And, and I heard a voice of, like a rumbling of many waters. And then I tend to look at the voice that was speaking. I love that verse. It's like he turned to look at the voice. I think that's where they got the voice. You know, when they're doing the voice, they just call peacocks. You know? Because <laughs> Jesus, yeah, I mean, John says, I turned to look at the voice. And when he turned to look at the voice, he finds Jesus. Before Jesus tells him anything about what is about to happen, what was going to happen to the end of the earth, the judgments of God, he shows him himself first. Vision, good vision begins with seeing Jesus first. There's a lot of things that John says. To, some, to such an extent that some people have started several religions or, or different denominations based on misunderstandings of what John says in Revelation, right? If we start to sit here and start to, to, to argue about what is the interpretation of this beast with ten heads, 
What's the interpretation of this woman that, that the dragon is chasing and, and, and she's, she's in labor and she wants to give birth? What do you understand? And we all have different understandings of that thing. And yet, before John sees all those things, he must see Jesus first. Why people run away with wrong interpretations of the book of Revelation is because they don't see Jesus first. The book begins like this. This is the revelation of Jesus. So you must see him first. So before John sees any other vision in the book of Revelation, all these amazing visions we think he saw, Jesus decides, no, no, no. Before you see anything, you see me. Because I'm the one that's going to show you the rest. Before you capture a vision and you run and you begin, this is the vision God has given me. Are you seeing Jesus first? A revelation of Jesus, the one with fire in his eyes. A revelation of Jesus, the one who died and rose again. To encounter him and to see him first. So what's your first point of prayer when it comes to seeing a vision or having a vision for life? The first point of prayer is, Jesus, can I see you? Open my eyes, I want to see you. Are you with me? Sounds basic, but it's very important. It's not basic, it's very fundamental. Maybe that's the best way to put it. It's foundational. Every vision must start by seeing him. How else are you going to have a redemptive revelation of what God is doing without seeing Jesus? It must start by seeing him. The prophets in the Old Testament, they used to say it like this. The word of the Lord came to me. Who is the word of the Lord? Jesus. So it's not like an idea came to them. They're not speaking as if they saw an idea. They're speaking as if they encountered the substance of the word. So when they say, when Jeremiah says, the word of the Lord came to me, the first vision he is seeing is always Christ manifest in the word of God. Hello? You see, if you go to your Bible and decide, I'm going to, I want to see Christ. Sometimes this is why we don't enjoy reading the Bible. Because we think we've got to cram all those pages and just cram them in and just cram them in. And just... Awesome. It's nice to memorize. You know, if you've been a Christian for a while, you memorize also quite a lot of the scriptures. It's awesome. But listen, you need to go to your scriptures thinking, I want to see Jesus. When you open your Bible, think, I want to see Jesus in this. God help me see Jesus as I read your word. Hello? Because most of us are approaching the Bible as a behavioral group, uh, book, sorry, like, like a manual that the psychologist has recommended. I want to behave well, so now I will read my Bible. It's a good enough reason, but it's, it's not the best. The best is to see Christ. Because those that met Jesus are transformed continually. Now, every time you read your Bible, you see Jesus. Every time you read your Bible, you see Jesus. How many, how much are you going to grow in your knowledge of him? You won't put your Bible down when you understand that. Like every time you open it, you see Jesus. 
Every time you open it, he shows you more of himself. You won't put it down. You'll be like, I really want to know him. I really, and you read your Bible and you get excited. Oh, I love those moments. When you read your scriptures and you see what he's doing and, and it wells up within you and, you're, and, and, and nobody can understand what's going on, but you see him. Uh-huh. No vision must start without seeing Jesus. There's a wonderful song that we used to sing. We still sing it. Be thou my vision. <laughs> we, need, we need to get an educated congregation that knows the songs. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I actually also don't know all the words. But, but, but listen. Listen. Christ being the vision. So that's your first point of prayer. Before you say, God, I don't know my purpose. Show me my vision. Say, God, show me Jesus. I want, I want to get people beyond the stories that they know about Jesus. They are great. They lead you to the Savior. But you see, in the Bible, in, in the, in, why they worship God, so, Jesus, so much, and they say, you are the highest in heaven. I've got this theory that I've begun to see when I read the book of Revelation. Because in the book of Revelation, only he appears as the lamb. And then in the next line, they're talking about him as the lion. So the people in heaven, they see him as the lion and the lamb. There's something I'm trying to show you. The lamb is, is the one revealed in the Gospels who takes away the sin of the world. That's the lamb. But once you have entered into the church, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now you've got to see the lion. That's why right. some people who just look at Jesus as the lamb, they, they don't understand. They, they just think he's this nice guy. And until they read the seven letters to the churches and he's saying, I'm coming after you. I'm going to put you on a sick bed. I'm going to come and remove your lampstand. I, I, you know, and he's warning people and he's talking. Then they realize, you, when he comes in the church, we're dealing with a different entity. We're dealing with the lion. He's not called the lion of the world. He's called the lion of the tribe of Judah. So in his tribe, he's a lion. And he can be hard to deal with. And we need to come to that reality of Christ. Understand him. In his tribe, he's a lion. And he's not so easy to deal with. In his tribe, he demands worship. He demands honor. He can't walk in a room and you don't honor him. But if all you know of him is the revelation of the lamb that takes away the sin of the world, you won't respond to him very well in the church when he demands that you pray and fast. When he demands that you live a certain lifestyle. When he demands. Because in the church, he demands. And some people haven't gone past that. They really don't get it. So they're still just playing ball. You know, thinking, oh, you know, he's nice, he's nice. We'll be shocked when he returns, when he judges the world. This is the same reason why some people are saying, oh, hell cannot exist. He's too nice. 
He's like, really, haven't you read your Bible? <laughs> are, you, are you serious? Haven't you read your Bible when he's actually, forget hell, when he's warning us right now about, I'm going to come after you. <laughs> and you are, he's uh, the lion of the tribe. Of, you, we've got to see that vision. That does not come by observation. It comes by the Holy Spirit. Just like John at the island of Patmos. And we are told, uh, you know, historians tell us that his eyes had been gorged out. So he wasn't seeing physically, naturally. But yet the Holy Spirit allowed him to see Jesus, the lion. His voice roaring. He calls it the rumbling of many waters. I still can't imagine it. I remember the first time I went to Victoria Falls in, 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 in Zambia. And, 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 and they were telling us that, you know, not Zimbabwe. I went to the Zambian side. It's nicer. <laughs> and, and, and they call it the smoke that thunders. I would encourage you to, to, to see that thing. It's one of the seven wonders, right? I would, I would encourage you to see that thing. Uh, it, it's, it's 10 kilometers away. And you hear it. You know, when it's in full force, you hear it. Ten kilometers away, you're hearing it. And you can't describe the sound. It's, it's the rumbling of many waters. It's, 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 it, it gets into you. you. You feel it. You know, you stand on the ground and you're feeling it. Like, and it's rumbling. And, and you know, John says Jesus' voice was like the rumbling of many waters. I don't know what was happening to him. No wonder he couldn't stand up. Because Jesus was speaking to him. And he, could, and he was messed up. And, and, and he's, he's getting all these things happening. And, he, and he's shaking. he had to turn and look. But we need to get that revelation of him. Vision is about seeing that Jesus. He's going to shake your life. Because when you begin to see that Jesus, he shakes your life. I explain to you why that's important. Because if you don't begin to see Jesus like that, you will create vision based on what your soul wants, what you desire, your soulish, fleshly thinking. And you will say, this is my vision. I feel it within me. Of course you feel it. <laughs> but it doesn't make it right. So he, he, he needs to shake you up a little bit. You need to, to, to meet the Jesus that removes everything from you until he's the only one you are fearing. The reason why most, most people cannot come up with, with what his vision is for their lives is because they've not allowed him to shake stuff yet. You go like this and no, no. No, 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 I don't want to look at him. Because he, he can shake things. <laughs> so vision must come from Christ. From Christ's body. This also means... Uh, uh, you know, you know I, 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 love, I love the expression in this Passion Translation which says, When you drink my blood, you will seal the new covenant. Or you come into covenant with me. 
And, and for a long time, I had struggled to understand what he meant uh, in the traditional translations when he says, uh, you know, this is the blood that ratifies the new covenant. I struggled to understand that he actually meant when he sat with the disciples, he meant he was cutting a covenant right there. So he says, my body becomes your vision. And this blood seals the covenant. The word used for new there, for new covenant, is actually, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm told, it, rightly rendered, it means a renewed covenant. So when Jesus sat at the Last Supper, he was actually cutting a covenant. He wasn't doing symbolisms, as we think. I'll wait for that to land a little bit more. Because sometimes, because we've grown up in church and we've used to the traditions of Holy Communion and we understand that it's, it's a symbolic of his blood. Symbol. No, no, he wasn't doing symbolisms. When he sat down right there, he was cutting a covenant. He says, this blood. He didn't say he's like the blood I'm going to shed tomorrow on the cross. He could have said that. But he says, no, 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 this cup is the blood of the new covenant. So when, when you had, when, the only way to not to get in the covenant was to refuse to drink it. Are you with me? If, if, if somebody had said no, have you, have you been that holy sometimes in, in church or that unholy that you, you know, let it bypass me? That's a refusal to enter into covenant with him. So he gives vision. If you see my body, I'll come in covenant with you. This is something I'm showing you. Why your vision now, what you see after this becomes powerful and changes your life is because he comes into covenant with you over the vision. But you see my body first. See my body first. Let me finish with the last scripture, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, and then we're going to do communion. See my body first. Encounter me first. See my body first. Now, Apostle Paul takes this further in 1 Corinthians 11. I'd encourage you to read all of it, but I won't. I'll read from verse 26. He takes it further when he talks about what the body really is. Jesus just said, this is my body. See it first, in other words, he's saying. If you take my blood, you come in covenant with me. The Apostle Paul takes it further. He goes like this. Uh, Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the story. I'm reading the Passion Translation. Proclaiming our Lord's death until he comes. Now you see what he's seeing? The vision. He's seeing it very clearly. And he's explaining it. 27. For this reason, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in the wrong spirit or unworthily will be guilty of dishonoring the body and blood of the Lord. Do you understand that? Guilty of dishonoring the body, not the bread. It's a simple way to miss God. What is before you is bread. What is
before you is bread. But eating the bread in the wrong spirit makes you dishonor the body. What is before you is bread. But you eat it in the wrong spirit, with the wrong attitude. You don't see the body, you dishonor the body. It's dangerous stuff. What is before you is a cup of juice. <laughs> but if you come to it in the wrong spirit, you don't see the vision, Jesus himself, you dishonor his blood. So it's just a drink. I saw Amy pouring it out. It might even be worse. You might be the one that bought it. <laughs> it's just a drink. But you see, what is before you is a drink. But if you come to that drink with the wrong spirit, you dishonor the body. You dishonor the blood. There is no one coming in covenant with you over the vision you see. And your vision will suffer. Let's read further. He says, he says, verse 28, So let each individual first evaluate his own attitude. And only then eat the bread and drink the cup. For continually eating and drinking with the wrong spirit will bring judgment upon yourself by not recognizing the body. Verse 30. This insensitivity is why many of you are weak, chronically ill, and even some dying. Let me explain what he means, wrong spirit. What he really means is not discerning, not seeing Christ, not seeing the body. What does that apply? How does that apply to what I'm talking about? More vision. <laughs> I'll do that and finish. How does that apply in terms of more vision? More vision means one, seeing Christ. We've got to see Christ. But how did Christ say we've got to see him? He also said we've got to see his body. What is Christ's body? His church. So if Philip is about to run away with a vision, he needs first of all to capture the vision that Christ has in the church. Hello? At some point, Paul was running away with a vision. The vision he had captured from the law. He had captured it and he went and he went in killing Christians and killing Christians. His name was Saul. He was killing people. Until he had a vision. A real one. Jesus himself. The lion. Paul was riding a donkey. The lion showed up and knocked him off the donkey. That, you know, when Jesus appears like a lion, he leaves him, leaves him blind. Like physically, naturally, he becomes blind. He sees such a great light and he becomes blind. He's seen a vision. But what is he saying? 
what he's saying is, Jesus, I met him and he's told me how much I will suffer for him. All of a sudden, Paul has seen a vision and his life. Now, Paul didn't wake up one morning and say, what is the vision for my life going to be? Mm, the vision is that I'm going to be an apostle. I really want to talk to you about that. It's very important. By capturing the vision Jesus has for the church. This is how Paul felt really guilty. He was destroying the vision Jesus had. Because Jesus said, you are killing my, me. It's me you're persecuting. Me. How can you persecute Christ? But that's what Paul was doing. He says, by the people you are killing, the people you are chasing, you're, you're persecuting me. My vision. You're destroying my vision to pursue your vision. You've got to see me first. But as soon as he saw Christ, he began to see the vision of Christ. Jesus has this thing. He won't give you access to his visions until you see him. I'm saying some very powerful truths here. Anyway, sometimes we catch a vision, we run with it, it fails. We, cut, we run. Listen, until you see him, you won't have access to his visions. So you can sit on this side and keep saying, God, what is it you want to do with my life? What is my heaven? What? Jesus is saying, see me. If you see me, you will see more. In my language, they say, uh, I'll, I'll translate it for you literally. They say, whoever went to the sea also, not to the sea, to the lake also saw the hippo. Right? Do you have a saying like that? <laughs> no, not in Zimbabwe? Okay, in Malawi we have a lake and we have hippos. So they say, yeah, it's a, it is right translation. So, so they say, whoever goes to the lake will also see the hippo. It's like there is more. When you, you can get off home and say, oh, I just want to go to the lake. You also meet more. When you see Jesus, you will see more. <laughs> it just works. When you see Jesus, you will see more. I'm, I'm going to encourage you. You're not seeing a vision for your business. You're not seeing a vision. And by saying seeing a vision, I, I, I know. If things are not moving, you have not seen a proper vision yet. I'm telling you. When you see a vision... Come hell, sunshine, or whatever. When you see him, my God, you see what Paul became when he saw the vision? You couldn't stop him. Unlimitable in every way. Put him in a shipwreck, he gets up, he heals people, he saves an entire village. Just a shipwreck. <laughs> it's an accident. You know? If you think strictly, he's not really supposed to be there because this was an accident. They've been shipwrecked. But he gets up and heals the entire place. Yeah? Today there's Christianity on the island of Malta because Paul was shipwrecked there. <laughs> not a joke. When you see him, you will see the vision for the business. You will see the vision for who you really are. When you see him, but I've really brought that down to 
there lies the value of as you are in the city to begin to see his body see the vision he has for his body I, I, I guarantee you most of you that are listening to me like this some of you will launch businesses in the, in the near future only because you saw the vision Jesus has for his body then he will show you some more stuff so don't put your business first put seeing the vision he has for his body first to change your life more vision we all need more vision amen so today as we we're going to we're going to have communion and finish as we come to the communion table I want us to come to the communion table to understand when we partake of his body, we are partaking of more vision of him. Uh-huh. When we partake of the blood, we are coming in covenant or reminding ourselves of the covenant he has ratified with his own blood over our lives. It's a covenant. It's a new covenant. It's a covenant. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a Lara Martin, I think, wrote a song called Divine Exchange a while ago. You know the song? You know? To the place of divine exchange. Oh. Praise God. Uh, Rihanna also, you know that one? <laughs> Oh, that one you know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>